Hi and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. We're here once again in the mobile studio, deep in the heart of North Yorkshire, England. I, of course, am Gareth Watkins. Uh, who else would it be? <laughs> it's only me, isn't it? <laughs> um, we're here once again to talk about some Dexter and with this episode, which is the third episode of season six, we're a quarter of the way through the season. We've got here already. And I'm sure it'll fly by. It won't be long before we're, uh, we're discussing the finale. It'll come all too fast. But uh, for now, let's save our episode three. As always, I should give a quick spoiler warning. We are talking about Dexter season six, episode three. So if you're not up to date with Dexter, as I've talked about before, we do the rewatches as well. And uh, if you're just listening to the podcast for the rewatches and you're not up to date then you will get spoiled today. So um, bank this one and listen to it when you've caught up and you're up to season six. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. If you're still with us, thank you. Let's enjoy season six, episode three. Before we go into the episode, just a couple of points, uh, nothing of any great significance. Um, The negotiations that I've talked about before with Michael Seahall, there's still no further news. i did another check online just before I started recording and the last news item I can find is dated back at the beginning of October so really there's no further news so I don't really know what's going on Um, if negotiations had completely fallen apart you'd have expected something to have been announced my gut feeling is that maybe they've reached some sort of agreement um, and they're holding back from then formally announcing further seasons of the show, maybe until later in the season. Ratings for the show, episode three ratings dropped a little again, um, which perhaps isn't an enormous surprise this week when the show was up against The Walking Dead, which had its season two premiere on AMC this week. Um, Walking Dead is a great show. I watched the premiere earlier this week and uh, it really is good fun if you're into zombies Uh, I mean I'm not a big horror fan but it's a show that focuses more on the characters and their struggle for survival and their journey to um well yeah just their journey to their fight to stay alive Uh, it focuses more on that than the blood and guts um there are plenty of zombies of course um but it's not simply it's not first and foremost um a a, a sort of visceral horror show um there's a lot of character stuff as well so definitely a show worth checking out and one that i'd wholeheartedly recommend um but maybe watch it if you're watching it live (laughs) maybe watch one of the subsequent screenings not the one that clashes with dexter (laughs) keep the dexter ratings up (laughs) okay We've established now we're at episode three. I don't know how many times I've said the phrase episode three. There, I said it again. So let's get into that. Episode title, Smokey and the Bandit. Original air date, 16th of October, 2011. Written by Manny Koto and directed by Stefan Schwartz. Writer Manny Koto, this is his fourth Dexter episode, as far as I can tell. He wrote three last season. He's best known for his work as a producer on 24. But in the past, he's also been heavily involved with shows like Star Trek Enterprise and Odyssey 5, amongst others. Director Stefan Schwartz is British-born, and this is his first Dexter episode. 
He's known this side of the pond for his work on British shows like Spooks, Hustle, Luther and Trial and Retribution. So he's got a good pedigree, certainly on the British screen. And um, maybe this, I don't know how many more episodes he directs this season, if any, I've not looked actually. But um, I think he does a good job this episode. So let's crack on and get into the episode review. to get up to this week well it was interesting that I mean we've with some of the feedback lately we've talked about bringing back the case of the week and indeed this week's case of the week turned into Dexter's kill of the week we had the dead prostitute who'd been beaten and had a tooth removed which rang a bell with Dexter and we got to see a childhood scrapbook in which he had clippings of uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and a case of the tooth fairy killer and I liked Harry popping up in Dexter's room there next to him with an observation. I remember when I found that under your bed. I would have rather it had been a stack of Playboys. Most kids in the eighth grade were obsessed with their favorite baseball players. You tracked serial killers. Only certain ones. The Tooth Fairy was smart. Dexter very quickly located the guy, though. He picked the retirement village closest to where they found the dead prostitute and Bob's your uncle. So we meet Walter Kenny, the man Dex has identified as a suspect for being the tooth fairy killer. And the guy is a pretty obnoxious old man. Bitter, jaded, foul-mouthed and grumpy. I did recognise his voice and wasn't surprised when I did a quick look up on IMDb while I was watching the episode and found the actor is Ronnie Cox who's been in films like Robocop and Beverly Hills Cop. It was a really good performance, I thought, actually. He portrayed Kenny as a really unpleasant, grumpy old man. In other circumstances, the way he spoke to Dexter, he'd have told the guy to piss off, wouldn't he? You wouldn't let someone to s- someone speak to you like that in real life, would you? Not if you had any choice. There's a brief diversion as Dexter has to go to Brother Sam's garage to collect his repaired car. What's interesting about that scene is that Sam seems to have warmed up to Dexter, presumably being saved last week from those gangbangers helped, and he invites Dexter to a kind of beach baptism for the employee who went AWOL last week. It seems like Dexter's dropped any notion of killing Sam now and has opened up himself, mentioning Harrison. This could be a sign that he's genuinely receptive to exploring Sam's faith and maybe learning something from him. So Dexter then had to spend... The, well, most of his day off with Mr. Sunshine, Walter Kenny, driving him around, running errands. And while he's with him, Kenny mentions his son, how he gave him everything in life and now he won't give him the time of day. Ungrateful little prick, he says. He's really got a beef with the world, hasn't he? But you can see Dexter observing him, thinking about what he said, noting how Kenny's completely alone, having alienated him, uh, alienated everyone around him. Clearly, Dexter's giving this some serious consideration from the perspective of his own life. Ending up alone is something that he'd surely be afraid of. He's talked about wanting that special connection for so long, and now he's got Harrison. Ending up tired, old and alone must be inconceivable. At Kenny's lock-up later, Dexter, of course, finds out he really is the Tooth Fairy Killer, but more importantly, Dexter sees a potential future for him. 
for himself, that is. Here is a serial killer who got away with his crimes for a long time and is now living out a miserable, sad and lonely existence, reduced to drinking beer and presumably whacking off over pornography while admiring his trophies, the teeth rattling around in a small box, reminiscent of Dexter's box of bloodslides. Is this what happens to serial killers at the end of their lives, he says? Dexter's face says it all. It obviously hit a message home. I did enjoy Walter outsmarting Dexter, though. This is an experienced serial killer, lest we forget, who eluded the police all this time, just like Dexter has. He's no dummy, and Dexter certainly underestimated him. But it didn't last long, though, did it? Dexter wrecking his car again. Brother Sam will be doing well out of him. So Dexter gets the tooth fairy on his kill table. And children all over the world now start weeping until they realise it's only the bloke from Beverly Hills Cop, not the actual tooth fairy. <laughs> As serial killers go, Dexter realises that Kenny's pretty pathetic now. The woman he killed was his first in ten years. He'd got bored staring at a box of teeth, but then moans about how long it took him to deal with her. He might still be smart, but he's old and slow and still needed to kill. I, I took teeth. You take blood. You're the same kind of sick fuck, aren't you? At least I'm never going to end up like you. Oh, yeah? When you can't do this anymore, what do you have then? More. You're kidding yourself, asshole. All I ever cared about was killing. And I can't even do that right anymore. That's what you've got to look forward to. This is your future, and it includes adult fucking diapers. You are not my future. I will not spend my final days getting drunk and staring at a box of trophies. Keep telling yourself that. Make sure they know who I am. I wish I could see the look on my son's face when he finds out. He won't be able to ignore that. Walter really represented a possible future for Dexter. And as the point is driven home, I liked how Dexter stopped short of knifing him in the conventional way. Instead, he smothers him to death and leaves Walter in his apartment, looking like he'd died of a heart attack. Although, I have to wonder if the coroner will be... will sign off on the cause of death so easily, or question... question the bruises and cuts on his face suffered in the car crash. Even if Dexter wipes the blood away, they'll... He's not going to be able to erase the bruising and abrasions, maybe even the cracked rib or two. Questions may be asked, but we'll talk a little bit about this in the feedback section. So, Dexter denies Walter the infamy, the last thing Walter could have hoped for, his son knowing the truth about him. He didn't know Dexter would have chopped him up and dumped him in the ocean, so the son still wouldn't have known he was a serial killer, but doing it this way, he just dies a sad, lonely old man. Dexter goes on to muse how, as we get older, we increasingly need life to have some kind of meaning. And if it doesn't have any meaning, what can we leave behind for those we care about? He wonders what he will pass on. Obviously, we can see where this is leading, given all that they've shown us so far this season. Why he dropped all the blood slides, though, at the end? I'm not sure. A rare moment of clumsiness with his most secret and treasured possession. There's no order anymore, he says. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. So on to Deborah. It was her first day on the job. Immediate frustration at being more desk-bound. 
it was it was pretty obvious that Laguerta was trying a bit too hard to help Deb. You do get the feeling she's trying to undermine her authority and potentially set her up to make a mistake. She was annoying me, so you can imagine how Deb must have felt. So, going through the CVs for the new detective position, Laguerta had earmarked someone. Whether they were genuinely any good, I don't know. But Deb had her eye on another applicant, a guy from Chicago, and I like Batista calling her on the slide to give her a word of advice. And then we had the team briefing. Deb doing well until Quinn suggested going public about the snakes. Deb had a good reason for saying no, but then Laguerta stepped in and undermined her in front of everyone. Did you notice Dexter giving Quinn the evil eye? They still have no idea about any religious connotation with the Omar Rivera killing. You'd have thought... You'd have thought that by now someone in Miami PD would have raised the possibility of a religious connection. Religious motivation. Deb's knocked by this, though. This undermining. And in a scene later on, she confides in Dexter, upset and deflated, feeling she's just not suited for this job. Dexter's realistic, though, and puts things into perspective for her. He's such a rock for her. What state would she be in now if it weren't for him, supporting her all this time? <laughs> Apart from dead at the hands of Brian Moser, of course, but you know what I mean. I thought she was a bit harsh, though, when she walked away, when Dexter asked her for a pay rise. Fuck off and die. <laughs> bit much. When she left, though, Harry was next to Dexter. Maybe she shouldn't have taken the promotion. She might not be cut out for it. I think there's very little Deb's not cut out for. I took note of this. If Harry was a ghost, with Harry Morgan's memories and conscience, or whatever you call it when we're talking about ghosts, but wouldn't he have said something about being proud of her for achieving so much so young? She's his daughter, after all. Even if he thought she was out of her depth, it's still a massive achievement to have got to where she is. He'd give her some credit. But no, instead he just questions whether she's cut out for it. To me, it goes against the theory that Harry's a ghost. But that's just my opinion. You may have your own ideas, and I know... One of you two, one or two of you do. Last thing with Deb was the introduction of a new character, Mike Anderson from Chicago, played by actor Billy Brown, who I knew from the short-lived FX series Lights Out, which was actually re a really good show. Certainly to my mind, Brown, he's got good charisma and presence, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does on Dexter. He seems to have been one of those actors who's been getting work but lacked the decent break, Lights Out could have been it, but while it got cancelled after one season, it did get him noticed, and, I don't know, maybe Dexter will be the start of bigger things. Speaking of which, did you see him tower over Deb? He's a big fella. She seems to have burnt a bridge with LaGuerta, though, who's overbearing help. That's help in inverted commas. It was becoming a burden, wasn't it? But at least Deb's asserted herself, as she needed to. So, Mike, of course, dropped a bit of a bollock by not believing Deb was really Deb. He even asks her to get coffee. But she puts him in his place, though. But she does it in a really good way. And I think it gets him on board. So, on to Travis and Geller. The victim from last week, the one that Travis knocked out with a rock, is now chained in the church. And Travis wants him to repent for his sins, beg for forgiveness. It was a nice performance again from Hanks as he goes on at this guy. Nathan, was it? Pushing him and pushing him. It was a bit disturbing, really, because... We all know what's coming when Travis gets what he wants. Well, I say we all know. <laughs> we thought we knew what was coming, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Travis steps outside and Geller's there painting what looks like one of those mannequin heads we saw them with last week. The theory of whether Geller is, Geller is Travis's Harry or something like that 
maybe still holds up. Did you honestly think the guy would escape when he pulled his chains free from the floor? That horse was a surprise in the church, and for a moment my wife and I both wondered if it was an illusion or something, because when Travis appeared and spoke to the guy, at first the horse couldn't be seen, but the poor bloke, falling to his knees and supplicating at Travis's feet, cleanse me of my sins, he said. A bit disturbing, but obviously the guy's in fear of his life and must be in pieces. You'd say anything, wouldn't you? I say in pieces, pun intended, of course, but we'll get to that. Patience. <laughs> so Quinn, this week, he was late to the crime scene and rolls up with a girl. He obviously blames Deb's promotion on them splitting up and tries to wind up Batista, saying he shouldn't let people walk over him. Deb has a chat with Quinn later and it's clear he's mad about Deb's rejection. It's sad because she never wanted to actually split up with him. She just didn't want to get married and had Quinn not proposed, there'd still be an item. But of course, once he had, it of course made things a bit awkward. Her knowing he wanted more from the relationship than she did and she was happy with how things were. But now Quinn's the man scorned, thinking he got dropped because of Deb's promotion. When of course she didn't know about it until afterwards. Quinn's now quick to want to move on and he's putting it, <laughs> putting it about, isn't he, with the ladies and then packing up Deb's stuff from his apartment. Is he going to revert to the Quinn of old? We have a little feedback about this very thing which we'll come to later. And then we've got Masuka who shows Ryan the evidence box from the ice truck killer case. Ryan says she was obsessed with it and followed it as closely as she could. Are alarm bells ringing for you yet? <laughs> She even painted her fingernails different colours in honour of the case. What I was most surprised at was that Masuka brought this stuff into the office with Deb only a few paces away. Imagine if she caught him with it, she'd have gone ape shit. I guess Masuka just wanted to impress Ryan and maybe uh, wheedle his way into her affections. Following our predictions from last week about these two, I thought Masuka asking her on a date was very sweet. Her response seemed... It seemed very genuine, and I did love her giving Quinn the blow-off. So, Ryan, right? You've been here a week now. How you liking it? It's heaven. Yeah? Even when Ben's around? Ah, good one. I love homicide. I've always been fascinated by people who do bad things. Maybe that's because you got a little bad in you. You think? Oh, I think you got a lot of bad in you. You may be right. Hmm. But you'll never know. <laughs> Quinn, honestly he's become a dirty dog again hasn't he overtly flirting with the new intern in full view of Masuka with Deb standing a short distance away imagine Quinn's ego if Masuka actually cops off with Ryan serving right for being a douche about Deb's promotion but for now Ryan seems quite genuine I did like Masuka's little giggle as he walked away there This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood. Both of us. So overall this episode, I thought it funny how quickly Dexter seems to have lost grip. Two short episodes ago, he was telling us how good life was. How he was content with his place in the world. Comfortable in his own skin. But suddenly he's been shown a mirror that shows his possible reflection 30 years into the future and it shocked him. Can you hear that? Those playing the drinking game? Have a drink now please, there goes a helicopter. <laughs> Back to the show. It's perfectly plausible that a shock like that 
could throw your world into disarray very fast, and it seems to have done that for Dexter. He's going to need something to get perspective again and regain some order. So then there's that final moment. My God, the horses coming down the street, mounted by riders that look to be reconstructed from a mixture of mannequin pieces and Nathan's body parts. It reminded me of the body parts from season one, but I don't know, maybe that's why the writers had Masuka bring in the evidence box from back then. A connection's going to be drawn. But quite a shocking end to the episode, the four horsemen of the apocalypse may be. They're another reference to the book of Revelation in the Bible the four riders regarded to symbolise conquest, war, famine and death. I looked them up on Wikipedia and it said the Christian apocalyptic vision is that the four horsemen are to set a divine apocalypse upon the world as harbingers of the last judgment, essentially the judgment day, the final judgment by God upon the world. This is believed to only happen after the second coming of Christ, so... Maybe this links with my comment last time that Geller might believe himself to be the second coming. Remember he said, to Travis, I suffer for your sins. So who knows who Geller is? It's still open to debate. But those are my broad thoughts about the episode. Let's, as always, get into what you guys thought. And we've got lots of feedback. Great stuff to talk about. Let's go. Listener Feedback Before we get into the emails and voicemails, quick shout out to a new iTunes review that I spotted this week on the UK iTunes store. Thanks to Ant Ori Scuttercast, who I know is Anthony, who does the Scuttercast that is hosted on the Rogue 2 podcasting network, of which Dexter, dissecting Dexter, I should say, is a proud member. Nice selection of podcasts available in one feed. Go to rogue2.com. That's roguetwo.com. And uh, you can access all the podcasts there. There's also an iTunes feed as well that you can have a look at. Obviously, I'm always grateful for any new iTunes reviews or, or ratings. Uh, reviews and ratings together do help dissecting Dexter's positioning, if you like, on the iTunes store. So, um, as I've talked about before, if you want to show a little bit of support for the show, then uh, please just take 30 seconds to hop onto the iTunes and leave a nice five-star rating and a, a brief comment, maybe, and uh, you'll be helping helping the podcast out a little bit. So um, thanks in advance. And as you can see, I'll always give you a little shout-out in the podcast. On to the emails and other feedback, then. Uh, just a, a couple referring back to the previous episode. Uh, Matthew Battles followed up on his voicemail from last week to say, I forgot to say that I forgot to say this in my recording, but someone really needs to send a chicken or two to Desmond Harrington, who plays Quinn. He's been looking really gaunt and skinny since season five. The scariest part is that the camera adds pounds. <laughs> An astute observation and one that we've picked up on in the podcast before. And we talked about it last year, how in between season four and five, and in the timeline of the show, we're talking maybe 60 seconds, um, Quinn seemed to have lost an alarming amount of weight. Now, we know that logistically between seasons, we're talking several months in between filming of the seasons. So it's quite plausible that the actor might have lost some weight for whatever reason. 
But uh, character-wise, yeah, Quinn looked very poorly last season, so I wondered if the actor maybe hadn't been well. But season six, and he's not looking any different. So uh, I don't know, maybe he went on some kind of health drive and lost a whole heap of weight. Okay, on Twitter, I had a very interesting comment from Goliath Growl. That's at Goliath Growl on Twitter, who contacted me to say, brace yourself for this. (laughs) My word's not his. Here we go. This is what he said. I think 6.2 will be my last episode of Dexter. Being an avid fan of Breaking Bad, you can see a definite change of the main character, whereas Dexter seems the exact same since day one. Even the opening intro is the same. You can say things have happened to him, but has it changed him? I think not. Another point for me is I love Michael C. Hall, and I feel that he props up every other character that I've lost interest in long ago. He seems bored in the role, and I never got that feeling in Six Feet Under. My last point is that if the show ended in the season with Trinity, I would have respected it a lot more than having season after season of the same thing. After saying all this, I might watch a few more episodes, but the lack of interesting plot and characters will make me Dexter's latest victim. Love the podcast. Wow. (laughs) I was quite taken aback by this. And I obviously appreciate you getting in touch to uh, air your opinions. And it's, it's all good. This is obviously your opinion and that's fair enough you're entitled to it obviously i have to disagree about the character i've talked a lot on the podcast about dex's character journey and personal development he has come a long way but has had multiple knockbacks which which seemed to jolt him at the end of season five good and proper when he seemed resigned to never being able to have that special connection with someone maybe that is his fate but he's got a child now and harrison is doing him a lot of good Look back at how he was in season one. He was a novice in handling personal situations and relationships and friendships. He's had a lot of experience since then and he's grown because of it. He's not the same selfish, guarded, emotionless person he was in season one. He's still pretty guarded, of course, about the obvious things, but I think he's at a point now where he's much more sure of his place in the world. (laughs) That is until he started considering some serious questions in the last episode or two. My own opinion is that there's still mileage in the Dexter story. You could argue they're drawing it out a bit. I think Showtime could be accused of stretching the show a bit too long. And we've talked about their reasons why they might be doing that. And maybe they're going to stretch it even further if the salary negotiations come off. But I can look back at each season and see what the point of each one was. Had the show ended with Rita's death, it would have been a seriously dramatic ending, that's for sure. But it would have left us wondering how Dexter would react. There'd have been more story to tell. The story wouldn't have been complete. But it might have been a better series finale than the end of season five, I'll give you that. You're right about the character of Dexter propping up the rest of the characters. Deb is obviously the second strongest of the regulars. But the rest of them... Yeah, they've just been also rans for the most part. Um, so I can kind of agree with you there. They, The show has always got to revolve around Dexter. He's got to be the focus of the show. But it's a fair comment that the supporting cast could have been give a, given better material, shall we say. Your comment about Hall. It could be that he isn't as passionate about the show as he used to be. Although he's been very well paid for his work. 
but we can only speculate. He still puts in great performances as Dexter for me, so even if he really is a bit bored of it, personally I've not seen anything to ring any alarm bells on screen. So I'm really sorry you're jumping off the train now, or potentially very soon. Honestly, we've invested this much time in the show. I, I wouldn't ever consider dropping it now. I'd want to see how the rest of this story plays out. But I was shocked and fascinated in equal measure by your comments, and it's prompted me to consider a very different viewpoint on the podcast. So I'm grateful for you getting in touch, and I, I hope that these next couple of episodes, if you do stick around, I hope they encourage you to stick around for at least the rest of the season. Right, on to an email from Nick Henderson, who is a host of the Four Player podcast. It's a, a video gaming podcast. He's from Texas, and uh, you can check out his podcast at fourplayerpodcast.com. If you're into video gaming, it looks like the perfect sort of podcast. They talk about new releases, review games, and so on, uh, industry news. So um, check that one out. Nick initially posted a comment on the Dissecting Dexter Facebook page and then emailed in this. After watching the first two episodes of Season 6, I wanted to mirror the opinion of your listener Travis from last week. After the first episode, I too theorised that Geller was not real, but rather a Harry-like figment of Travis's subconscious. To expand on that theory though and comment on 602, I think this implies a lot about for the direction of the season. I think that Travis might be on a similar mission as Dexter. Some people have suggested that Harry is actually the dark passenger that Dexter alludes to, and if this is the case, then I see Professor Geller as Travis's passenger. Of course, the question then becomes, how does Dexter deal with someone who is practically a mirror of himself? If this is proven true, does Travis fit his code, or should he be allowed to continue his work? I think this might be some of what Scott Buck was talking about when he alluded to this season having stuff that you have never seen before on Dexter. It'll be interesting how much of this actually plays out, but one thing is for sure. The writers have come up with some really compelling characters and story arcs for this season. Thanks, Nick. It was really good to hear from you. And some interesting thoughts there. Um, I think <laughs> you mentioned about uh, someone suggesting that Harry is actually is actually the Dark Passenger. Uh, I have to hold my hand up, and I think it's only ever been me that <laughs> that suggested that, and that was quite early on in the dissecting Dexter life. I've I've moved on from that theory, but uh, it was something I I speculated at some point. The theory of Geller being a manifestation of Travis's Dark Passenger is still very much alive. Whether Dexter could let Harris go, uh, Harris Travis, whether he could ever let him go, I don't know. Dexter kills killers, doesn't he? Not innocent people, <laughs> at least not on purpose. We know Omar Rivera had been a bad guy, but we don't know Nathan's history, the victim this week. Could be he's an innocent, at least from the point of view of Dexter's code. So far, blasphemy might seem to be the pattern, but we really don't know. We do know there's a strong religious agenda. Dex uh, Geller could be Travis's dark passenger. He could be a real person. <laughs> he could be the devil. We just don't know. But I agree, this is a compelling theme for the show to explore. And I too am looking forward to see what they do with it. So thanks again, Nick. Next email is from Michael Williams in Ohio. I'm a big fan of Dexter, as well as your podcast, and thank you for the excellent Dexter diversion you provide each week. Just watched Smokey and the Bandit and loved Ronnie Cox as the Tooth Fairy. 
I couldn't help but think of the stint he did as Captain Jellicoe on the Enterprise on Star Trek ne The Next Generation. He's certainly a brave actor to take on such an unflattering role on Dexter. The point of my message, however, is with the fanboys who are just too anal about the details of Dexter's kills, especially in the start of the sixth season. Give the writers a break, please. Do you want an exciting, interesting show? Or do you want to watch an hour of Dexter taking care of every last little detail? Have faith that Dexter abides by Harry's first rule, don't get caught. We don't need to see every precaution that Dexter takes to ensure that he isn't suspected or arrested. Just trust that he does take care of those precautions. He knows how investigations play out and I trust that he's smart enough to elude detection. Don't crucify the writers because they want Dexter to show some flair from time to time. Anyway, that's enough for now. Keep up the good work, Gareth. Thanks, Michael. Ronnie Cox was definitely brave to take on such an unpleasant character like this. But I don't know, maybe he's been a fan of the show and was keen to have a role, any role. But yeah, now you mention it, I also remember his his short story arc on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. I was a, a fan of that show too. Your main point, though, gives the most food for thought. About fanboys, as you put it, being too anal about the details of Dexter's kills. I think it's true that audiences today generally are a lot less forgiving towards shows. Audiences are a lot smarter nowadays and demand more. At least a good proportion does, I think. I think it's good that viewers are so into Dexter that they pick up those minute details that don't ring true. We all share a love of the show. We all care about it, don't we? And we all want it to be great all the time. However, some of the points raised are quite valid to my mind, but you do make a good point about having faith in Dexter that he knows very well how investigations and forensics work. And the show's been running, well, we're into the sixth season, aren't we? We've seen Dexter tidy up his kills many times before. You can rightly argue that we don't need to see it every time and just kind of take it as read that he takes care of everything. I think we can safely say Dexter will take or make every effort to take maximum precautions. And you're right, as I say, that we should have faith and don't need to see his clean-up operation... However, this fact does give the writers an easy out if they're genuinely being a bit sloppy. Dexter wouldn't be the first show to have made mistakes. Some of the points raised by previous listeners I do think are valid. And I guess how much it bothers you boils down to how much faith you have and how forgiving you are. But honestly, I'm glad you emailed with this, Michael. It's good to get a counterpoint because it does feel like we've been picking the writers up on quite a few things lately. The criticisms have pretty much centred on the kills of the week rather than the central storyline, so I think it's easier to excuse anything that's not associated with the main focus of the show. But I do hope they don't do it too often. But we'll be talking about another one this week with the Kenny killing. We are dissecting Dexter here, good or bad. But thanks for the email, Michael. Really good comments. Hey, now, what did Dexter do with the ambulance in episode one? Hey, Gareth, man, it's Travis. Just calling in to give some quick feedback for uh, episode three of season six of Dexter, Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, I found myself really liking this episode. I was just, I don't know, I was in a good mood. Maybe it was uh, the pork steak dinner that I had beforehand, but I really, I think I enjoyed the episode, even despite the fact that this episode was more or less just like a micro version of season four. Dexter was obsessed with an older serial killer, 
or maybe not obsessed, but he was fascinated with one. And of course, the reality of the serial killer, he Dexter was disappointed with him, just like Trinity. And just like Trinity, he gives he gives uh, Walter in this episode a fake name. Walter finds out that he's really Dexter and that he works for the police. And uh, I, I guess the whole point of the episode was to show Dexter's potential future of uh, being a miserable old bastard. Uh, but I kind of think that's what season four was about. That's what um, he supposedly learned from Trinity. But despite all of that and all those similarities, or uh, not that the similarities would be bad, but the rehashing could be bad, but I liked the episode. Um, I was particularly uh, devastated when Dexter dropped his box of slides. I don't know, that really got to me. Like, I felt sorry for him. That, I've been we've been with Dex so long. It's like it's our box of slides too. So I was I was crushed when that happened. Like oh poor poor Dexter. Uh, at any rate, I, I told you this was quick, and I think that's it. So keep up the podcast, man. See you next week. Thanks, Travis. Good to hear from you again. All hail the pork steak. Anything that puts you in a good mood is uh, is all right by me. <laughs> And good call about a condensed, rehashed season four there. Nice observations. Travis followed uh, this voicemail up with an additional email where he made a couple of points. First is Ryan, where she's stolen ice truck killer evidence from the station. With her being so obsessed with the case, I wonder if she'll ever have an awkward conversation with Deb about it. Or if maybe by some crazy circumstance, she too also discovers relation to him. And two, it's surely not a coincidence that the killer in this episode was very similar to Trinity and that originally in season four's Trinity... Sorry, I'm not reading that right. Sorry, Travis. And that originally in season four, Trinity's real name was originally going to be Walter Simmons. For whatever reason, they changed his name in season four to Arthur Mitchell, but it looks like they brought it back for our killer in this episode. Thanks, Travis. Your first point about Ryan. If she's followed the case of the ice truck killer as closely as we are led to believe, she'll know about Deb's involvement. So you'd like to think she'd show a bit more tact than to bring the subject up with her. But it's quite possible she might uncover something um, that points the finger towards Dexter at, at some stage this season. She's certainly being set up for something. And your second point, uh, sort of expanding on your drawing a parallel there in in some regard to season four and the Trinity storyline and how Dexter uh, thought he could learn something from him, uh, and and how the original well the in your email you you put a link with uh, a link to the original casting news about this is pre season four where um, the casting news was that John Lithgow had joined up with the show to play a character called Walter Simmons and they've obviously reused that original Christian name uh, for Walter Kenny uh, and yeah that ties in nicely with your, your parallels that you drew there so thanks for contacting the show again Travis always good to hear from you next email Mark in Montana emails to say after watching Smokey and the Bandit Deb's possible new hire f- for detective Mike Anderson will be the one to go after Dexter and Deb will have to deal with conflicting loyalties, her job or her brother. Thanks, Mark. Just a a short but sweet email. It's always been a potential quandary for Deb, whether she opts for loyalty to her brother or opts for loyalty to the law, essentially. 
Um, and that was always a potential scenario for her when she does eventually find out about Dexter. I was judging Mike the same way as you, but then thought maybe they, <laughs> maybe the show should have, should have stuck a caption on screen when he appeared saying, any resemblance to Dexter characters living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> First impressions though, Anderson could be a charismatic but tough character. No nonsense. Maybe he'll be impressed with how Deb dealt with his little error and respect her for it. Maybe he'll end up sorting Quinn out, not standing for any undermining, undermining of the boss. On to another voicemail. Hi Gareth, it's Ian from Bristol. I'm just phoned in to comment on Season 6, Episode 3, Smoking the Bandit. So, to Dexter. Um, an, almost another botched takedown for Dexter this week. In fact, his car insurance must be uh, crazy, his premiums, as he seems to um, damage his car every single episode. Um, this is the third episode in a row in which the tables were almost turned on him. Um, and I think th th this has to be leading somewhere. Uh, it's either very poor writing or, or it's going to bring him together with, with Travis and Geller. I don't know. Um, the, the Tooth Fairy Killer showed Dexter a possible future self, um, being quite pathetic, nothing but memories for company, uh, and quite a lonely character. And this seemed to really unsettle Dexter. Um, and I think it led to him fumbling the slides and, and, and breaking that particular slide. And I'll be interested to see how important that box of slides is to Dexter this series. Um, it, it's always been there in the background, but will it become even more of a focus for him? I, I don't know. Um, I, I really like the Tooth Fairy character. It's a shame he couldn't have lived for a few more episodes. He was a nice, sleazy character, and I particularly liked the way he interacted with, with Dexter and kind of manipulated Dexter to buy him with the porno mags and his beer um, when initially he just went for his uh, medicine. Um, but a question around Dexter uh, killing him. If Dexter smothered him to make it look like a natural death, then how would he account for the bruising and impact damage from the car accident on the body? Surely the uh, doctors and medical people would notice this prior to issuing the death certificate and kind of get the coroner involved to understand how he died. Um, so uh, pr potentially a problem there for Dexter, I don't know. Um, moving on to Debs, it was really good to see Debs standing up to LaGuerta um, when choosing a new detective. Um, but it looks like this new detective got off to a really bad start. Um, but it was really interesting to see how Debs handled his, his attitude and his uh, comments. The, the old Debs would have, been, would have gone ballistic but she, she stayed calm and authoritative. And uh, it was interesting watching Debs' face as you could see the internal struggle as she was obviously wanting to um, you know, have a real go at him. Um, but she managed to control her temper and controlled it really well. Um, the new detective looks like he's cast from the same mould as Dokes. Um, so I have a feeling he's going to be an irritant for everybody and not just Dexter. Moving on to Quinn. As predicted last week, he's gone off the rails a little. Um, I don't know whether he's going to come back around before the end of the series or whether it's going to spiral out of control and get even worse. So it would be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I have a feeling that between him and LaGuerta, they're going to cause Debs lots of grief. Uh, moving on to Masuka and Ryan, uh, it's good to see their relationship has, has kind of got started. Um, but we knew there was something more to her than just being the, the, the pretty blonde. Um, so she's, she's using her position to get hands, her hands on the serial killer um, evidence. Um, I, I've got an inkling that she might uncover Dexter. Um, and she's obviously fascinated by the ice truck killer, so I have a feeling that she might be able to pick some, some new DNA evidence off the, the evidence or something and might be able to link it to Dexter, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I also wondered whether she, she seemed very interested in the ice truck killer. I don't know if this was kind of normal interest or whether it was somehow meaning she was related to the case in some way, perhaps the daughter of a victim or, or something, I don't know. Uh, moving on to LaGuerta and Angel. 
I thought Laguerta had a, a quiet week and really it was only the candidate selection and supporting Quinn and the decision to go public with a snake. That was only, her only real interaction. Um, and Angel had quite a quiet week, although it's good to see him kind of slap Quinn down when Quinn turned up at the scene of crime um, with a blonde in tow. Um, it was really good to see him happy at the end of the episode in his 70s Trans Am. Um, but the unwritten law of TV drama is if a character seems happy, then something bad will happen to them very soon. So uh, I expect something bad for Angel very, very soon. Uh, moving on to Travis and Geller, it, it seems more likely that Geller is a dark passenger now, I think. Uh, in this in this episode, he never interacted with a victim at all. And he only communicated via Travis. Um, so I'm, I'm really feeling that, that he's, he's, he's a you know a ghost-type character. But we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I'm liking that, that story thread. It's been played nice and slow. There's not too much of a reveal. Um, and the next, um, the end piece for this episode and the next trailer seem to indicate that, that we're going to have focus on them again in the next episode. So we'll see what happens. Um, overall, I think the story pacing is really good this season. Uh, all the threads are, are running at a nice slow pace, not too quick, but there's enough coming out each week. Um, the kill of the week is providing the thrill for each episode. Um, and I'm really enjoying the season. Uh, but it's hard to believe that we're a quarter of the way through already if there's only 12 episodes, but we'll see. Um, so, Gareth, keep up the good work, and I'll speak to you next week, hopefully. OK, bye-bye. Thanks, Ian. Great to hear from you again. Some good points, as usual. You're right, it's the third episode in a row, with Dexter almost coming unstuck. And he had to take a pretty drastic measure to um, to get out of that, but <laughs> this time he was certainly in some mortal danger, I think. And you mentioned about Kenny's body damage, uh, following on from Dexter smothering him to make it look like he'd just died of a heart attack or died peacefully in his flat in his apartment. Yeah, there could be some residue, some fibres around his mouth. Um, maybe he'd even inhale some fibres, so there might be some fibres off the pillow in his, in his lungs or in his throat. Uh, he'd have the bruises on his body from the accident, the abrasions... I mean, Dexter can certainly clear up any blood. He could even wipe around his mouth or, or swab out his, swab out inside his mouth. But he's not going to be able to erase any bruises, is he? So, you know, a coroner's got to sign off on the cause of death. And, yeah, quite rightly, is he going to see enough there to think something, something's not right here? Or this guy didn't, you know, what, what's happened to him prior to... You know, it looks like he, he may have died of a heart attack, but... Something else recent has, has gone on here. Um, yeah, and questions could be asked. Uh, you go on to talk about Ryan and speculate maybe she'll get suspicions of Dexter through the ice truck killer case. Yeah, maybe she'll find some new evidence. But what's the source of her obsession? Is she related to one of the victims, maybe? I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's... I, I don't know how likely that is, but... There's something there. And you, you make a good point there about Batista, expecting something bad for Batista soon. And, and you mention this law that if a character on a TV show is happy, something bad will happen soon. How often do we see that play out? And there we see Batista there with his new car. Yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the Grim Reaper maybe sharpening his scythe for, for our angel? I hope not, but um, you can't help but wonder whether this will tie in with the theory that we, we talked about last week. And uh, you, you talked about Geller being a dark passenger. 
Nathan never acknowledged him, never acknowledged the presence of anybody else there. Um, so, like we've said, the, the theory about Geller not being a physical, real person still holds true for now. So, thanks again, Ian, and uh, we move on to another British contributor. Cathy from the Isle of Wight in the UK has emailed in again, and she says, Wow, what a fab episode. I love the story of the Tooth Fairy this week. Took me a while, but eventually realised he was Ronnie Cox from one of my favourite films, Beverly Hills Cop as Lieutenant Bogomil. Haven't seen him in anything for ages. What an easy serial killer he was to track down and finish off compared to Trinity. We're starting to think the storyline was a bit of filler, to be honest, until the subject of his son came up, which brought up the subject again of if Harrison found out about Dex's double life after the Daddy Box incident and made Dex think again about that possibility happening in the future. And being sympathetic to the Tooth Fairy's son, finding out about about that sorry am I reading that right and sympathetic to the tooth fairy's son finding out got it <laughs> and suffocating him instead and thereby Dexter sparing the tooth fairy's son any more pain I think the storyline between Ryan and Masuka is going to be a lot deeper than just love or lust interest which I didn't see coming what a mentalist she is taking the plastic hand and saying she had painted her nails too while following the ice truck killer's case I can't wait to see how that unfolds. I think Dexter will definitely be joining Brother Sam at the church on Sunday, as he's obviously going through some sort of personal crisis at the moment, feeling a bit lost, asking himself questions, dropping his slides and commenting that everything's out of order and muddled. He needs some sort of guidance, perhaps. Whether or not it will be religious or not, though, who knows? Oh, I don't think it was meant to be funny, but Quinn's face having the worst shag ever cracked me up. I do wonder if he'll get back at Deb by hurting her through getting to Dexter. After all, the only reason he stopped looking into Dexter's after-work activities in Season 5 was because he didn't want Deb to get hurt. Very exciting stuff so far, so early in the season. Loving it. Thanks, Cathy. Good point there about Quinn. Will he... I guess it'll depend how pissed off he really is. I don't know, is he that, is he that mad? Really? That he might start investigating Dexter again? It's a possibility. I don't know. We saw the daggers that Dexter was giving Quinn uh, in that um, police briefing that Deb was, was leading when Quinn was raising the question about um, publicising the snakes to the press. So, yeah, maybe that's a possibility for the season. I agree with your comments that Dexter did locate Kenny rather easily, but then he's pretty experienced at hunting people, isn't he? We ought not be surprised that sometimes he does it a bit faster than others. He does have that special perspective, doesn't he? I also agree with you that Dexter will go to the church thing with Brother Sam. He's very quickly gone from being content and at ease with the world, enjoying his son, to now not really knowing where he's going, what the future holds. I still don't think he's going to be a born-again Christian, but I hope he gets something from Sam. Thanks, Cathy. On to another email. Jamie in Oklahoma says, I was listening to your podcast and I heard one of your callers question Dexter damaging his car to take to the garage. He said that the police would research who brought their vehicles in and find Dexter's. I was thinking, though, that it was obvious at the station that the cops did not like Brother Sam one bit and he does employ multiple, f he does employ multiple felons, so there could be many possible people responsible for his death working there. So maybe Dexter felt safe bringing his car in because... The police station may not be completely thorough. Just a thought. 
but he has been kind of sloppy. Keep up the good work. I love listening to your show. Thanks, Jamie. Good point there. As another plane goes over. <laughs> you know what to do, guys. So, yeah, good point. When Dexter takes his car to Rogue's Gallery, <laughs> which is what Brother Sam's garage pretty much is, a Rogue's Gallery of former felons, Dexter's not going to be first in line to have the icy finger of suspicion pointing at him, is he? Thanks, thanks, Jamie. Another email now. Michael Lanich of State College in the US emails in with this. On the latest episode, I love the fact that Dexter had a hobby as a teen. Following the careers of specific serial killers sounds exactly like something Dexter would have done. It was interesting to watch as Dexter tracked down the Tooth Fairy serial killer, who is now an elderly man. The episode did a good job of illustrating that getting old happens to serial killers too. This is further foreshadowing, in my opinion, that Dexter will never live to become a grandfather. Obviously, Deb's first foray into her new job was going to be rocky, but LaGuerta didn't help by constantly undermining her and trying to force her into making her decisions. It would be nice to see how Deb manages this, this new role. Can she only sit behind a desk, or will she find a way to merge her duties as lieutenant and the street job? Some observations. I got a slight whiff of it in episode 2, and even more so in episode 3. I'm referring to Ryan Chambers. There just appears to be something off about her. She isn't the slightest bit squeamish about blood, and she seems to be putting out this somewhat naughty girl vibe as evidenced by her flirtation with both Masuka and Quinn in the latest episode. Seems kind of like a mask, not unlike Dexter's. But maybe most odd is her obsession with the ice truck killer. She said she followed it all through high school and painted her nails like the dead prostitute's severed hand for a week. Now, this might just be the oddities of a person in general, but I'm sticking my neck out here on a theory and wanted your comment. At the end of last season, I sent an email about my general theories, predictions for this season, and this series in general. One of those I got right was that Deb would be LaGuerta's job. This season's theories I, send you, I sent you months ago was whether or not Travis, who I thought might be a new lab geek, might end up being another serial killer hiding in plain sight, a la Dexter, and that this season would set the killer up to be the big baddie next year. My theory right now is that despite her beautiful appearance, Ryan Chambers got a job at Miami for the same reasons as Dexter, to hide in plain sight. May she be the next nemesis for dear old Dex. My second point, I think you're all right. Batista will be the first to find out Dexter's secret. It's nice to see him getting back to the storylines and character we all came to love in the first several seasons. Third point, are we ever going to see the kids again? I know their absence helps the show not to have to deal with them, but I kind of miss them at times. They should never disappear, disappear completely. The Travis and the Professor are devilish, pun intended. Devilish bad guys, and their twisted four horsemen riding the streets ending to the episode was brilliant. Thanks for the time you devote to our favourite serial killer, Gareth. Let me know your thoughts and keep up the great work. Thanks very much, Michael. To address your key points there, Ryan, it's nice to see she might not just be making up the numbers this year. There's always a danger of that with the supporting guest characters. There is definitely something not quite right about her. And you start to wonder whether her flirtatiousness is a diversion. She's young and interested in serial killers and homicide to the point of obsession, particularly the ice truck killer case, painting of fingernails, then stealing evidence. Who else do we know who's always had an obsession with serial killers? Yeah. 
She could well end up being revealed to have her own mask. Could she be a future nemesis for Dexter? It would be nice long-term thinking by the writers to set up a future nemesis at this point in the season when Dexter still has yet to discover this year's big bad, or bads. And then you mentioned Astor and Cody. They did provide opportunities to explore parts of Dexter's humanity in the past. One of last year's most emotional moments was Dexter telling Astor he loves her. The writers have been stressing that by giving that one-year gap in the show, they were making a clear attempt to move Dexter on. However, Astor and Cody are still technically his stepkids, aren't they? Maybe we'll see them before the season's out, but I'm not sure what function they'd serve at the moment. So thanks again, Michael. Great email. You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. We've heard back from our good friend Tom in Poland who wrote in with this quick email. He says, I have mixed feelings about this episode. I liked Deborah's behaviour in the whole episode. It was quite interesting. I didn't like the whole thing with the tooth fairy killer. It wasn't unexpected when he pulled the gun on Dexter. The ending was impressive, I've got to say. Still enjoying the show, though. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> you mentioning about uh, the Tooth Fairy Killer getting the jump on Dexter. I have to give my wife credit here, God bless her. We watched the show together, and as we were watching, she called it before me that Kenny was on to Dexter. So, uh, well done, Keely. <laughs> hey, guys. Josh here. How's it going? Just watched the episode, latest episode of Dexter. And here are my thoughts. Kill of the Week was pretty interesting. It gave Dexter something to think about. <clears throat> I kind of have mixed feelings about this one, though. I thought it was great that Walter Kenny turned out to be the Tooth Fairy, although we saw it coming a mile away. It would have been surprising if he wasn't. But yet again, that would have been a waste of time. You know, the whole episode went by and he wasn't. So I love that the writers portrayed the old serial killer as a sharp, clever guy and a dotting old fool. I'm glad he was on the Dexter. It made sense. Serial killers have heightened senses. Even AIDS can't all those. I am, however, disappointed in Dexter for falling for it so easily. Dexter really doesn't seem to be on his game at times lately. Dexter is great at thinking on his feet, which he proved by getting out of that situation in the car. Yeah, he's usually one step ahead of his victims. He thinks ahead. This wasn't the case this week. That kind of worries me. It can only be one of two things. Dexter is getting sloppy or the writers are. I mean, for the writers, though. I don't want to become one of the people that criticizes the writing all the time because I'm really not. I have a lot of respect and trust. I trust in their skills. But sometimes it just seems off. They did write a great story this week, though. I did love the scene... For Harry and Dexter, when um, Dexter's looking through his notebook and Harry said he would rather have found Mooney Mags instead of that, you know, it made me laugh. I also thought it was funny that Dexter decided to kill him by getting a heart attack and having him found by the staff rather than making him disappear. I'm assuming he'd do that for Walter's son, so when you know, go missing, that'd be the way he died. Anyways, and blood slides, blood slides falling on the floor. We know how important his trophies are to him, but in what way will this affect him? Can't see him throwing them away. Really, left me wanting to see the next episode. Um, 
I love Deb this episode. She's having a tough time, but we knew she would be. You're going to pull through her, though. You know, hopefully we're into something else this season other than me and pain in the ass for Devin Matthews. Oh, well. At least she's not bringing down Angel this season. Who's back at top form and no ball and chain to bring him down. I'm really enjoying him this season. Just being himself. And Angel's a strong but nice guy. He's a great character. Quinn obviously has matured, and I really don't see what role he's going to play this season. I that he's not chasing Dexter, taking money from crime scenes, and being investigated by internal affairs. I always liked him in the procedurals, and he, um, procedure, yeah, whatever. And in season five, he was given a lot of good material, and I enjoyed the arc, his arc that season. I hope he gets something a little more interesting to do than just be whining about what happened between him and Dab. I'll refrain from the Travis and Geller arc until next week, because the next episode should be big. But this one, still not a lot. All right, that's all I have to say, girls. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Josh. Nice thoughts again. You too saw Kenny being the tooth fairy early on. Um... For me, it was telegraphed first and foremost by the actor when I recognised who he was. Uh, he's not just going to be brought in for a um, you know, five-minute dead end and, and then Dexter finds the real suspect later on in the episode. Um, so it was, pretty, it was pretty clear for more than one reason um, quite early on that uh, Dexter had the right man. And it's nice to know that you've got trust for the writers despite recent plot holes. You're right. They've they certainly earned our trust pretty much. We've um, we've followed the show this long, and I think they've done a great job with Dexter's character and his development and his journey. And uh, we can forgive them the odd the odd lapse here or there. I think with some of the supporting plots, providing they're not too major. But as I said earlier, this is dissecting Dexter, and I'm not going to shy away from tackling those as they come up as we go through i'd be uh, it would be remiss of me if uh, if i didn't and you echo my feeling about angel batista nice to see him back on top form obviously there's the theory from last week and how batista ties into that um and as we talked about a few minutes ago with uh, one of the other uh, listener uh, emails you have to fear for Batista's safety. Uh, sorry, no, it was uh, one of the listener calls, wasn't it? That um, now Batista seems to be quite <laughs> happy. I mean, is it a midlife crisis buying a sports car? I don't know. <laughs> um, remember the line from Lost in Translation when Scarlett Johansson asked Bill Murray whether you've bought a Porsche yet, <laughs> referring to a midlife crisis. Uh, but... It's, yeah, yeah, you do have to kind of worry about Batista, that um, now he's happy, is something bad about to happen. And you question what role Quinn is going to play this season, and again, uh, one of the other listeners touched on this, whether he's going to go completely off the rails and um, revert back to the, the douchebag of old. Uh, is he going to start investigating Dexter again, uh, start sniffing around there? Uh, is he just going to continue continue to be a bit of a dick to Deb and be hostile and screw his way around Miami, having a series of unsatisfying lays? As uh, <laughs> our uh, listener Kathy touched upon his um, 
his expression this week when he was in bed. <laughs> he wasn't a happy bunny, was he? So thanks again, Josh. Next email, Christopher in Alberta, Canada. Hi from Canada. It's the first time I've written, but have been listening to the Dissecting Dexter podcast for a while now and enjoy them every time. They make my commute go by much faster, and I have to thank you for that. Thanks, Christopher. <laughs> Who goes on to say, So far, I'm really enjoying season six. Between Dex finding himself in new social situations, to Masuka finding a match to his sexual antics in the lab, to Deb trying to find her way into a new job with expletives intact, I'm really having a good time watching. I just finished watching, watching episode three, and it really got me thinking back to some of the threads you were talking about during your season five podcasts. With all the talk of the show returning to the basics, a kill of the week, etc., I don't want to lose the arc that has been developing with Dexter, the character. Season 5 saw some pretty big leaps forward for Dexter. First, getting through the grief of losing Rita and the struggles with the children, two of whom have not even been mentioned yet this season. A shame in my opinion, because some of the headway Dexter made was with his relationship with Aster. Lumen not only helped him move on from Rita, but gave him an outlet that was different than he was used to. Not just killing to satisfy the dark passenger, but helping someone else heal and move on, in a mentor role. This season we're seeing Dexter alone again. Alone to deal with his urges, and have them play out in the way we got used to in seasons 1-4. to four. As far as Dexter is concerned, this is the first time we're seeing Dexter deal with really deep questions of how he raises a child by himself, while doing what he does what values he wants to instill without anyone really helping him. Thus, the faith questions popping up everywhere. And now the most recent question in his mind, how this current life will play out when he ages and when Harrison's older. The point is, Rita was always an escape hatch for him. He could always believe that whatever depths Dexter found himself in, the kids would be okay because Rita was there, or the nanny, or the grandparents. As his son grows up, though, he's finding it's not easy to hide his life, or if he continues on this path, what harm it might cause his relationship with his son. Even though Rita died two seasons ago, we're just getting to those questions, and I like the direction it's going. He doesn't want to end up like the old decrepit tooth fairy killer, does he? And now that the box of slides has fallen, will he decide it's time to get rid of the trophies for Harrison's sake? Just some thoughts I wanted to share, thanks to the whole Dissecting Dexter community who make the feedback section so fascinating. Thanks, Christopher. A nice email there, and it's nice to get uh, feedback from a first-time contributor. So hope to hear from you again. I completely agree with you about the character arc of Dexter Morgan. I I've said many times that his personal journey is the big thing for me in the show. I love to see his character experience new things and learn from them. And I enjoy seeing him flounder when he doesn't know what to say or do. He's come a long way, but still has a long way to go. But like anyone, do any of, us, any of us ever really stop growing or learning about life? But I like the new dimension to his character journey this season, like you do. And um, as I think we all agree, it's going to be fascinating to see that play out and where it leaves Dexter at the end of the season. Dave Esposito in Philadelphia emails in with this. This part again I'm writing before seeing episode three. A couple of things. First off, about what Travis, the podcast listener, said about the first episode, Jock Kill, and how they could have found out through text messages. I don't think so. First off, Dexter has the hot-ass girl's phone, and the Jock's phone is probably in the ocean in his jeans pocket. So no one will see any texts. Another thing I wanted to say is, Gareth, you have a lot of great theories. 
Have you ever been right? Because some of your theories seem very plausible, and they're so good that I hope they come true, because they're brilliant. You should be a writer. There have been a lot of theories you made that I liked. The last one that I liked, and I realised they come with the help of other people, but still you pieced it together, was the one about Harrison pointing to the air conditioning and having the hot-ass babysitter notice. Your podcast is awesome. I love Jeremy Headington's podcast too. That would be awesome if you two did one together, but he disappeared. I sent him a message saying he needs to come back because I can't stand the two guys talking podcast with their repetitive sound effects and five minute long advertisements. Then I found yours and I like it a lot, but I miss Jeremy and you two together would be awesome. Thanks Dave. About the texts, I'm sure the actual handsets will be long gone, but although that may be, the actual phone records will still be in the system. The time and content of any messages they're surely logged somewhere, so any future investigation could potentially uncover them. And thanks for the comments about the theories I talk about in the podcast. Like you mentioned, I have to give credit to you guys. It's often your feedback that helps my own thought processes. Like the one from last week about Harrison pointing out the blood slides in the aircon and Jamie finding them. The full flesh of that theory came out live while I was actually recording. You could probably pick that up in my voice at the time, a kind of, oh yeah, moment. But that's part of what I love about doing these. Although I do prepare a lot of the content before I sit down to record, a lot of it comes out live too. And your comments about the other podcasts, uh, it's, it's obviously not my place to uh, criticise any other shows. Uh, but the Dexter podcast by Jeremy Headington, that was the first Dexter podcast that I discovered. And it was partly through sending voicemails to him with my own feedback for him that kind of inspired me to consider doing my own Dexter podcast. Where Jeremy is now, I don't know. I, I don't know if he listens to this or not, but Jeremy, if you're out there, uh, I certainly miss your show, and it sounds like at least <laughs> someone else misses it, and I've certainly seen one or two other comments around the internet wondering what happened to you. I do still see your post on Twitter from time to time, so uh, you're obviously still out there. I don't know whether you've um, maybe uh, maybe just don't have time for podcasting anymore, which would be a shame because uh, I, for one, certainly enjoyed your show. So thanks again, Dave. Uh, Barbara in New York emails in with this. Here are some random observations about the episode. The last scene with the horses and their riders was clearly one of the most compelling images of the show's entire run. Just incredible. I don't understand the Deb Quinn chemistry, if that's what it is. They seem so ill-suited, and if there's justice in this world, Quinn will end up on Dexter's table, despite the fact that it could violate Harry's law. One of your listeners offered the theory that the Professor is actually an imaginary figure, and Travis is acting on his own. I watched episode 3 with this in mind, and it seemed very plausible. Kudos to the listener who came up with this idea. Finally, thank you, Gareth, for all you do regarding this wonderful podcast. It remains the best, and so do you. And once again, Barbara, you make me blush. <laughs> uh, your, your feedback emails are always great for a nice, uh, a nice confidence boost. <laughs> but yes, that final image, although we didn't see it in all its glory, it was shocking and exciting. I was disturbed to see the children witnessing it, though. Who can speculate what effect that might have on them? But I'm sure we'll see more next week. And I've never been bowled over by the chemistry between Deb and Quinn. I can kind of buy them being together, in that Deb didn't want anything too serious, and that she and Quinn could have fun together. I could also buy Quinn being inspired to be a better man. 
we can all be so influenced by that special someone. But I think the actors themselves, they just don't seem to click too well. The chemistry was, I don't know, kind of mediocre at best. I did like the development of Quinn's character through this, uh, through this relationship, though. And now, of course, it looks like he's regressing in reaction to the split. Hey, Garrett. It's Ken from the U.S. Uh, just calling to talk about the episode I just watched. Um, man, episode three was real packed. You got the Dexter, Kenny duel, the LaGuardia dev duel, Quinn T. So kind of going at it. Um, but without a doubt, the thing that's leaving my mind shooting after this episode is what the hell is Ryan doing? She's really fucking obsessed with the ice truck killer. That's oof, that's weirding me out. I don't think Ryan would turn out to be a copycat killer. That seems kind of... Eh. But I do think Ryan being obsessed with the ice truck case, uh, that would definitely result in uh, Dexter's relationship with Ryan Moser uh, being investigated, um, or at least brought to light. I mean, Deb knows about it, but she's kept on the down low, really. And I know a lot of fans have been asking, uh, especially during season five, um, you know, what about Deb knowing that Dexter's related to the Ice Truck Killer? Um, I never really knew what fans expected that to do. Um, I always kind of thought her bringing it up like that that one time and dropping it seemed very dead. But maybe this will be the answer to what fans want. Um, one other thing, since uh, everyone's kind of made a point of pointing out the plot points, um, like the plot holes that the writers have dropped. Um, Dexter killing Kenny and expecting the coroners to chalk it up as a heart attack is kind of strange, considering that Dexter suffocated him with a pillow and they're going to find feathers or, you know, in a normal... Uh, what do they call those things? The people who investigate, you know, how he died, they would find feathers and the lungs and stuff, so they didn't know he was suffocated. Um, I really don't know whether or not you perform that procedure on a regular asshole dude who dies at a funeral home, but that's uh, plenty of it out there. All right, love the podcast, man. Please keep doing it. All right, bye. Thanks, Ken. You mentioned Ryan. Is this storyline... Yeah, is it somehow going to reopen the connection between Brian Moser and Dexter? Deb knows Brian was Dexter's real brother, but the conversation was dropped in season four. And, uh, yeah, we touched on Kenny's death uh, and the forensic evidence. We weren't shown it. We can maybe have faith that Dexter did clean up uh, as much as he could. But, you know, the bruises... <laughs> Thanks once more to all the contributors this week. It's, uh, it's great to have so much feedback. It uh, really expands the duration of the show, and uh, I hope it's of interest to uh, all you guys out there. Um, I certainly enjoy hearing your theories and thoughts and comments on the show. If you would like to email into the show, it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send a voice recording if you wish. Any format is gratefully received. You can also, phone the US listener line, which is 646-222-6122, and that number is also accessible internationally or via Skype, or, you know, if you want to call from abroad, but you may find emailing a voicemail is cheaper. Um, the UK listener line is 0844 
579-6949 and you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. That's only on the UK listener line. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Dissect Dexter or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And we've got the Facebook page. Search for Dissecting Dexter on Facebook and you'll find it. You can like the page, share the page. That would be great. Broaden the publicity for the podcast. And you're free to upload anything you want to the page, whether it's um, an image, post a comment, post a question. Use it as a forum. It's... uh, it's all good. It's it's your page as well. And uh, thank you again. All feedback gratefully received and appreciated. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is called A Horse of a Different Colour. And I think we can tell <laughs> from the ending of this latest episode why there might be a horse reference. It looks like there's going to be a big statement from our central killers. And I should just uh, slot in here that this is a spoiler-free preview, apart from the episode title. I've not seen any previews for next week, so I really don't know what's coming up. I've not read any synopsis or early previews. This is purely my own speculation about what might happen from what we already know. So as I say... Clearly there's a big statement from our central killers. The religious connection is now beating Miami homicide over the head, so you'd expect them to finally start following that path of investigation. Whether that will now lead them to consult either of our big bads, I don't know, but it could answer the question we have about whether Geller actually exists. Has he been referred to by name in the show yet? You know, we've called him uh, Geller all this time, but uh, I don't think he's been referred to by name in the show, so... We'll see, we'll see. Dexter attending Brother Sam's beach baptism. I think that's going to happen. It sounds fun. Will you bring the ice creams? (laughs) Clearly, though, Dexter's now at a junction in his life, having been rocked by an image of his possible future this week. Assuming at some point he is... I sound like Yoda. Assuming it... No, no impressions. (laughs) Dexter's assuming that at some point he'll end up alienating himself from everyone he knows, including his son, who he doubtless thinks the world of. He's afraid of ending up sad and alone, and this added to his sense of urgency in passing on something meaningful to Harrison. He needs direction and guidance here. Harry's not been any help. Dexter could discuss it with Deb, though, at least as far as talking to her about his fears of wanting to pass something on. As one of the listeners pointed out, He always used to have Rita behind him, doing the proper parenting. So anything he couldn't handle, he knew that she was there. But now it's all on him. Maybe he's afraid of looking like he can't cope. Which, let's face it, is a very normal human fear. And then we've got Batista. There was no movement on the daddy's box or Angel's sister finding something this week. But we see Batista further reinforced as a good guy. Looking happy in his new sports car. They do seem to be setting him up for something. And Ryan... What's her game? Is she just using Masuka, manipulating him into falling for her so she can use him to get more evidence from the serial killer cases, or is it just the ice truck killer case that she's interested in? I'm getting a growing sense that there could be a big surprise ahead in her storyline.
So while after first watch this didn't seem like the strongest Dexter episode ever to me, there's still plenty of food for thought and judging by the quantity of feedback I'm not the only one, there was plenty to think about for you guys as well. Lest we forget this is still only episode 3 and previous seasons have often set off quite slowly and remember this time last season we were wondering or some of you were wondering where the season was going after an initial exciting premiere episode uh, it started to the pace started to slacken and we were wondering um, is this going to be a bit of a dull season and then things pick up uh, so we know from experience not to lose faith at this point and I'm sure we've got some great stuff still to come this season so uh, all systems go <laughs> so for now I should just say that next week I'm actually away for the week I'm not going to get to see the episode probably until Tuesday or Wednesday and as such it's looking extraordinarily likely that I won't get a new podcast done next week in time for episode 5 so apologies in advance for that I would say please send in your feedback for the new episode you know we'll get back to our regular programming with a, a full review of episode 5 but as I say next week there will be no new podcast so apologies in advance but please keep your feedback coming in uh, I will cover it as I always do in the show so for now thanks very much for listening we'll speak to you in probably a week and a half or two weeks time and we'll dissect some more Dexter together so until then take care guys cheers for now mm-hmm.